Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Amazing, right? Yeah, it's good so far. Wild. Truly wild. I feel like I've been in this kind of like documentary place between that and then obviously we watched Tiger King and then we wa we're watching The Last Dance, which is the Michael Jordan documentary. And so I feel like I've been in this like docuseries right. place recently. And so I've just been like living uh -huh. in it since I'm in that vibe. I'm like, let's watch McMillions. Let's watch blah, blah, blah. And that's just where I, that's where I am right now. Today. Should we jump in? Yes. I guess let's jump in. Yes. All right. Hello. Hi, y'all. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to today's live taping of the Feeney Call. I mean, it's live to us. It's not live to all of you, but you know. It's filmed in front of a live studio audience. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I have a stuffed animal of stitch Every time. here that uh, I guess could be considered an audience. All right, great. As long as he laughs when he's supposed to, then we're good. I'll, I'll let him know. Okay, good, good. Otherwise, we're going to kick him out. Um, uh, what are we talking about today? today? What episode was this? Season three? Yes, season three, episode six. The title is This Little Piggy, obviously based on the children's rhyme, or I guess song. It doesn't really rhyme. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, I yeah, I wouldn't call it a song. I would call it a rhyme. Yeah, it's like those. Yeah, anyway. Right? Because well, is it a rhyme? This little piggy went. This How little it, piggy. What are the words? Piggy went to market. <laughs> this little piggy stayed home. This little piggy had roast beef. This little piggy had none. This little piggy went wee 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 all the way home. Hmm. I guess it's not even really a rhyme. None of no. that really. Rhymed. It's more of like a almost like a game because you're supposed to play it with like your toes I and I don't know I don't know right. what the or I sh that should have been my fun fact for the week was like this origin of this song that was not my trivia uh we could well you do your trivia and I'll find that my trivia is actually about the director of the episode Jeff McCracken because he uh directed more episodes of Boy Meets World than anyone else he uh, directed a total of 51 episodes between 95 and 2000. And he's actually from hmm. Chicago. Hey. So this is, this oh, is not the first episode that he directed, but this was the season where he made his directorial debut on the show and then continued, obviously, on throughout the entire series. Nice. Uh, here is the origin of Amazing. This Little Piggy, according to our trusty, reliable favorite source, ah, yes. Wikipedia. In 1728, the first line of the rhyme appeared in a medley called The Nurse's Song. The first known full version was recorded in the famous Tommy Thumb's Little Storybook, published in London about 1760. In this book, the rhyme goes, this pig went to market, this pig stayed home, this pig had roast meat, this pig had none. This pig went to the barn's door and cried a week, week for more. Hmm. The full rhyme continued to appear with slight variations in many late 18th and early 19th century collections until the mid 20th century. The lines referred to little pigs instead of piggy. Interesting. So there you go. That's uh, according to some journals uh, from Cambridge University Press and Oxford University Press. Interesting. So there you go. That is the. Uh, That's Skylar's fun fact. The, the origin of the 
English language nursery rhyme and finger play oh. as it is. Well, I hate that last called. part, but whatever. <laughs> I guess it it's it is kind of what it is. So I just don't like the mm -hmm. way that they said that. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's my turn for the recap. Oh, I didn't prepare. Should I should I define? Okay, well, while you prepare for a minute, I'm gonna further define finger play. Oh, okay. <laughs> as it's uh. It has its own Wikipedia no article. Finger play. <laughs> finger play, not to be confused with ah! fingering, which is a separate <laughs> Wikipedia article. That is literally what it says. It's the first line, finger play, not to be confused with, and then it's a link to an article called fingering, well, which I'm not right going to follow. The, yeah, smart, uh, smart decisions. <laughs> they're just diving right in. Finger play, commonly seen in early childhood, is hand action or movement combined with singing or spoken words to engage the child's interest. According to Erickson, they don't they don't say who Erickson uh -huh. is. Um, it might be in the maybe it's in their sources. Uh, many children develop autonomy and want to learn and imitate the activities and behavior of others. According to Wong's Essentials of Pediatric Nursing, gestures precede speech in a way child communicates satisfactorily. Blah blah blah. There you go. There's a lot of examples, like five little monkeys, yes, it's yeah, a yeah. spider, round and round the garden. Those are all considered finger play all right, activities. Well, that's a definition I didn't know that I was going to figure out today, mm -hmm. but here we are. It is not to be confused with fingering. Okay, I think I'm ready. All right, On let's do my it. Mark, get set. Go. So Sean shows up at school with a tiny pig and he names it little Corey and Topanga is like, oh, great. We can find a new home for him. Sean's like, he has a home. It's me. And he takes it back to Turner's. Turner's having issues with the pig. Topanga eventually calls animal control and Sean freaks out. They take it to Corey's. The animal control guy shows up and Turner claims that it's his pig. Um, so he doesn't get sent off to um, somewhere else. And then B plot, Eric and Mr. Feeney go to the opera and uh, because Eric wants to get into Yale, and that's... that's Time! More or less, yeah. That, <laughs> that is the gist of what happens. Yeah! It, this episode escalates so quickly, and then de-escalates mm -hmm. so quickly. I feel like Sean in this episode gave me whiplash. Because he was so... Yeah. So very, like, I'm not getting rid of this pig. This is my pig. This is whatever. And then at the end of the episode, he's like okay that's fine like it just the turnaround is so fast well and we don't even Truly. really i mean what actually happens to the pig did they say well uh sean keeps it and then late two seasons from now we see the full-grown pig in sean's bedroom that's in the true. apartment i forgot about that yeah we come back to this pig eventually for a one episode yeah. joke and then we don't go like it's it's a really convenient little thing they want to like hit back on for a joke once, but not like actually deal yeah, with it. I'm not, I just don't know. The pig, the pig is a ball of one liners that they have thrown into a void in space <laughs> and they can grab it out whenever they want and then put yes. it back. Yep. <laughs> this feels like another episode. I said this last episode, this kind of feels the same way where it's like, they just had to throw something in. It doesn't feel very consequential at all. And yes, we learned something, but I don't know. What did you learn? It's a weird one. I Okay, so this episode, I think, uh, as we may uh, dive into, we had a, a listener submission talking a lot about how this episode dives into Sean's 
abandonment yes. issues uh, in, in how what we're really watching is really like this big metaphor for Sean and his abandonment, mm-hmm. sure. And how he is feeling abandoned by Corey's relationship with Topanga now. Mm-hmm. And all of that is fine and good. If I'm if I'm pressed for what I learned, that that one's harder to yeah. say. <laughs> I from Feeney can gleam wonderful nuggets uh, regarding culture, yes. and how you should remain open minded to new experiences, and that uh, there are different entry points for people to all kinds of artistic uh, and cultural forms. Mm-hmm. And while Feeney appreciates opera in the more stereotypical sense, Eric begins to appreciate it because of its affiliation with Looney yes. Tunes, <laughs> or rather Looney Tunes' adaptation of Wagner. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that, that whole kind of like culture and arts are, are meant for everybody and everybody, some people may need different entry points, yes. you know, that's all yeah. awesome. Uh, that's the beep. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to learn from the A plot, right? Because I I think I'm supposed to learn maybe that Turner, like when he suggests that Sean needs the pig more than the pig needs Sean. And this whole idea about supporting your friends, but like, I don't support this. Mm Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, agree. You know, like when all is said and done, I in no way believe that this 13 year old, effectively homeless boy squatting with his high school teacher should be the owner of a teacup Correct. pig yeah in the middle of philadelphia like i yep. <laughs> i don't support what happens here yeah in any way and and so this idea that like maybe it's not about that maybe it's about more about it like this whole not allowing things to drive wedges between your friends maybe maybe it's more about that right mm-hmm. if we get a little more abstract and it's this idea of Corey having to face a choice between his girlfriend and best friend and that he should make a choice. See, this is like, this is just knowledge that I think I know and not something I think I gained. And I was going to say like, Oh, he should make a choice that supports what he truly thinks and believes and not just take someone's side because they might get mad at him, but he doesn't, do that. No. <laughs> and even once he theoretically learns that lesson, I mean, he feels bad about taking Topanga's side. Then he just goes and takes Sean's yeah. side and and rebuffs Topanga's choice without, like, talking and arriving at compromises. Yes. So I don't know. I don't, what, do you, what did you learn? I don't know what to learn from this other than I don't support I, would, I mean, I agree with you. I think there's so many different uh, facets within this episode, so many different ways that you could learn lessons. Like you could learn lessons from, like you obviously took it more from Corey's perspective. I took it a little bit more from per- Topanga's perspective. And I wrote in my notes, you can't force your beliefs or ideas on someone because it will just Mm. push them away because she's very much like well we need to find this a good we need to do this we need to do this um or more telling sean like you need to do this this isn't right whatever and while i agree and there could be an argument for okay well she's just being a good friend she's telling him what he needs to hear she's not like sugarcoating it whatever i think she is so hell-bent on making sure that this pig is not living with Sean, that she ends up just stomping all over his feelings and not seeing that there's an underlying issue of abandonment within this whole thing. 
And I think that if you are a person who has a, a idea or a belief or, you know, anything like that, and you try to force it on someone without hearing them out or hearing their side of things or thinking about it in a context, obviously you're going to damage your relationship with that person. You're going to push them away. And so I think it, it, that's the level, that's where I took it from that kind of angle of Topanga really mm-hmm. being pushy in this episode. And I think, I think she, what she did was not necessarily right, but it wasn't necessarily wrong either. So that was kind of where my dilemma came from was I was like, Sean made the wrong decision. Corey was just trying his best. And, but I also didn't, yeah, I, again, I don't like, I don't think what Topanga did was right, but I don't think it was wrong. What was wrong about what she did was she straight up looked at Corey and was like, whose side are you on? And I was like, that is some shady Mm -hmm. shit. She should not be putting him in the middle of an argument that's happening between her and Sean. That is between her and Sean. Corey can give his input if he would like to, but he doesn't have to pick sides. And I appreciate Amy and Alan obviously coming back to this and saying that. There's just a bigger issue here, which is like, why was Corey put in the middle? Well, because Sean is so hellbent on keeping the pig and he has other underlying issues. And then Topanga is hellbent on getting rid of the pig. And so it just kind of turns into this, uh, what felt like a bigger issue to me simply between Sean and Topanga, not so much with Corey, but I totally get what you're saying about Corey's perspective. And I'm glad you had that perspective because I honestly wasn't even thinking about Corey in this episode. I was like, no, it's interesting. (laughs) I hadn't really thought as much. Right. Right. And I hadn't given as much thought to the fact that Topanga, I guess is really the one who learns something in this episode. Corey has his, his scene with Amy and Alan and, and learns a little something. Sure. But I guess if we're if I were really now that you've said all that and I look back at this episode, Topanga is the one who learns uh, a bigger lesson and makes a bigger change. Yes. And I think you're right in this idea that she, she she and we should theoretically have learned this lesson about not imposing yourself onto somebody else. Yeah. Just because you disagree with their ideology, which in theory I am in favor of. Um you know, if this were an episode where, like, Sean decides not to go to church and Topanga wants him to go to church mm-hmm. and and Sean doesn't want to go to church and Topanga calls a pastor and invites him over to preach to Sean personally, like, all of that. And then she learns, like, oh, wait, no, JK. Yeah. I shouldn't do that. That's my thing, not his. I'm like, great. The key difference in my in that argument and fallacy is though that situation that theoretical situation i've just set up only um involves topanga and sean as the the living things involved and there's another whereas in in this situation there is another living thing and that is the pig Mm -hmm. uh that that needs to be accounted for yes when taking action or not taking action yes and so i don't think it's right that she just blindsides them and calls animal control correct I also think that she's really bad. I don't think she does the right thing at the end of this either by being like, you know what? It's not my call and walk away from it. Yes. Uh, I think the conversation needs to persist further and they need to find a reasonable compromise because I think that Sean is fucking wrong well, about keeping a pig. <laughs> correct. But I also, here's the thing. And I, I appreciate Topanga. Say, like I said, there's an argument to be made for Topanga being like, I'm your friend. I'm trying to tell you this. So you are like, you don't wind up with the, 200 pound pig in your tub and whatever the fuck 
Uh, but also Turner is so irresponsible in this episode when he left. Oh, I hate it. He's so complacent in this. I'm like, wrong up and, and like, this is my pig. And it's like, no, it's, it's not your pig. And you shouldn't be, you have a problem with this pig. There is a general problem with having a pig in an apartment in the middle of Philadelphia. So why are you encouraging this? Let Sean, yes. Sean may need the pig more than the pig needs Sean, but then we have to find a healthy substitute because this is a bad life for this animal. And it doesn't right. bring understand. him to a fucking petting zoo or something. I don't know. Like... Right? He doesn't, the pig doesn't understand. He he's, he doesn't have the deductive reasoning to be like, I'm a, I'm a, you know, comfort animal. For <laughs> I'm this a comfort boy. Like, No, that's not. And that's not, we haven't domesticated pigs for that purpose. Like if you want a, an animal to do that, we have dogs that are trained to do that. Cats who are trained to like do things for people, but like pigs are not, we haven't gotten to that place. I don't know if we ever will or should get to that place, but like, we should not. <laughs> pigs are not, especially in an apartment in Philadelphia supposed to be like a support animal. If they, if they even lived out in a mildly more rural suburb, yeah, you know, cause like clearly they live in a suburb, you know, they don't live in yes. downtown Philadelphia, but like if they lived in a mildly more rural suburb, then I might even be in like, and Sean and Turner lived in like a house and had a yard and they built like a pig pen in the back. I'd be like, okay, right. Yeah. This is fine. Yeah. Like this is weird, but it's fine. Cause like, I don't know that that tracks or even like, even if the fucking, if the Matthews house had this pig in yes. it and they like, there just needs to be a house. It can't be this apartment. That's it the big problem. It can't, yes. it can't be an indoor apartment pig. No. <laughs> it needs to be, needs mm-hmm. to be out in a yard of some kind. It is not it, that that's the chief problem. Even if Sean still lived in the trailer park and they like built a pen in a trailer park, I'd be like, okay. Right? Weird. He but like makes it. a lot more sense. <laughs> he should have left it with a family member in the trailer park. Like that's just how right. that should Go see it whenever out. you want. Go visit yeah. it. But that's where it should live. That's where it should live because I'm sure it probably has like free rain around the trailer park, except maybe at night. So like just let right. him let him do his thing and then you know, I, it's, oh God, I just, I hated all the things that Turner did in this episode. And I was like, you are, you as a character, we've set up to be the voice of reason, to be the smart one, the one who's thought things through, the one who brings Sean and Corey down to earth, other than Feeney. He's like the younger, hipper Feeney. And you are dropping the ball. And, and you can't even, and Feeney's off doing plot B, so you can't even bring him in to this to be the voice of reason. Like he's just, he's Turner is dropping the ball and there's no one here to level him out. The Matthew parents aren't in it. So they're not saying, well, no, you shouldn't have a pig in the city. Like no one's here to level out the crazy and Turner is just being irresponsible. I agree. I agree entirely. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think we've arrived at like, we finally figured out like the lesson and there are issues, but like we, we did, we (laughs) sussed that one out. It was good. (laughs) Go ahead. You were saying. Turner, Turner should, know. should know that also in his lease, I'm guaranteed that's it's like dogs. <laughs> you can't have own a pig. <laughs> yeah, you can't have a pig in an apartment. Does he want to get kicked out? Like, I don't, it's, it's so, oh, it's just irresponsible on a number of levels. I could, I feel like I could go on for days, but like, that's, that seems so silly to me. Even in my apartment, I'm, I wouldn't want a pig anyway, because they, oh, no. they are not. smelly and they are, you know, dirty and, they don't have to be necessarily, but that's just, they should be allowed to live that way because they're farm they're, animals. They're not indoor animals. No. <laughs> I don't, I don't really have a problem 
like teacup pigs, I understand in, in are a legal and permissible pet in many yeah. places. Uh, cause they don't get tremendous either. Um, yeah. but like, just... you're not, it's not an indoor pet. Correct. It's like, Oh, I own a, mildly decent plot of land and have a pig pen out back with a with like room for him to run and a trough and like whatever you know we can like i don't know it's just it's not an indoor pet <laughs> no sean is just projecting so hard that it's it's hurting this poor animal who uh, who doesn't know the difference all right what an unhealthy way to cope with your abandonment issues right if anything you'd fine you want a pet totally fine but get something that is First of all, okay by Turner's apartment lease or standards or whatever. And then second of all, that is actually a domestic animal that's okay to live inside. Wild. Just wild. It is wild. This feels like episode 18 of season one where we were like, this person did this wrong and this person did this wrong. (laughs) Because I feel like I don't. I don't agree with anyone who actually had a big role in this episode. Amy and Alan, yes, but they were in one scene. Mm -hmm. So everyone else who had a hand in this was doing a poor job at handling the situation. Let's talk about the B-plot some. You know know what's great? What's great? The B-plot. The B-plot's great. It's so (laughs) great. Oh, my God. It is infinitely more interesting, funnier, and better. (laughs) Correct. But first of all, Eric is just, can we talk about the fact that Eric is just carrying a boudoir magazine all over school? Like, that's the cover of the magazine. It's not like a college magazine. It's just like naked ladies. I'm like, who was letting him carry this around school? I feel like Feeney should have confiscated that as soon as he saw the girl on the raft. That's very probably true. (laughs) At least it would have been compensated in my school, but I also went to a crazy school, so. Yeah, I think it would have, I mean, I don't know. Theoretically, someone would have tried to confiscate it in my school too, but it would have been a matter of noticing. Yeah. School, so. um, but yeah, I obviously the, this was, I, I thought about doing this for trivia as well. Obviously, Wagner, it's Flight of the Valkyrie that is being played. But it's so, I think that's, that scene is just so fun for me as a, as a viewer because you get to watch Feeney have these teachable moments. And it is kind of what you were saying about how the arts kind of touches everyone and has different ways of getting to people. And obviously, the Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny is how it got to Eric. And then he ends up enjoying it. And the fat lady singing at the end, it's, it's all just so good and inconsequential, but it's good. It shows us Eric's path to college, that he really does want to go to college. He may not want to go to college for the right reasons, but he wants to go to college. And so he's doing, he's doing things in order to get him there. And Feeney is helping him do the right things because Eric obviously is trying to like bribe and cheat and steal his way into college. And Feeney's like, no, actually, we're going to like get you cultured. We're going to teach you some things. We're going to give you a little more, I don't know, con- uh, not context, but we're going to give you some more culture so that you can handle yourself in the real world before you even dream of, oh, I'm going to go to this college, blah, blah, blah. So anyway. It's true. And it's an interesting thing too, I, I, as you know, this has always been a little I guess not always, but now like in my adult life, I've always been a person involved in the arts. 
And I think that it's so important that even if you are your professional and social lives don't have anything to really do immediately relating to artistic endeavors mm -hmm. and, and creative or not creative, just artistic and cultural endeavors of that nature. Uh, it's still, I think, so important to engage in these activities, if for nothing else, than to like stimulate ideas and conversation in social circles, you know? Sure. Because it's only fun to talk about your job so much. Most people probably don't really love that, but if they don't have anything else to talk about, here Eric is as a person not interested and not involved in this sort of thing, and Feeney brings him to it. And it's it's this point he makes about like, what if you meet somebody that you really like and now you can talk to them about this thing yeah. because they are interested in this thing and you have some access to it and some, which is why that, like why lowering that bar to access is so important in removing this elite status of opera or other cultural arts mm -hmm. to allow for this engagement and stimulation of ideas and conversation. Mm -hmm. So I just really love that, what that says about, why it is important for you to if not to be a participant then to be a patron yes it's it's a good it's a good teaching moment and obviously we can tie it back into eric's learning about the college process and what it's going to take for him to go and what he wants to do with his life and have watch him kind of have that start to have that realization that um, development as a character but it's also just like a good standalone message for people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a great B plot. Something that I did flag going back to the, the boys, there was an, there was a moment where Sean looks at Corey and he understands. He's like, of course you took her side. I think they're giving him a bath. She's, he's like, of course you took her side. I probably would have done the same thing. And it made me think about the episode later where Sean gets that girlfriend who's like, you can't hang out with Corey anymore. And so they have to meet secretly in the library and at Chubby's. Oh yeah. I was like, you, you right. will, you'll do oh, the same thing. You'll be a dick for a girl. Like that's going to happen. I thought that was funny. That's kind of random, but I agree. What'd you say? I'm so sorry. You cut out. <laughs> no, I was just saying fun little, fun little aside. Yes. So I was saying Topanga kind of looks like a granny in the last like two scenes of this episode. She's got like a big oversized cardigan with a chambray shirt buttoned all the way up underneath. And then these like linen, like work pants almost that are like a size too big for her <laughs> and like all the way pulled up to like above her belly button. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was kind of funny to me. So we had a listener write in, or sorry, not write in. We had a listener send us a voicemail. And if you didn't know, now you know. You can send us voicemails via Anchor. The link is in our bio on our Instagram page. And then we'll also post the link on our Twitter and Facebook sometime this week. Because that's a new feature that we just uh, discovered. And so we get to use it now. So Hillary left us a couple different voicemails about this episode. She made some really good points about Sean. And I think the biggest, the, the two things that stuck out to me that I kind of hadn't thought of before is she talks about the, she talks about the mailbox incident and how Sean is not necessarily, like he's not innately a bad person or a bad kid. He just got stuck in certain circumstances. She talks about the mailbox being kind of the kickoff of that and how he sticks the cherry bomb into the mailbox and it, it, it obviously explodes from the inside out and that's kind of the moment where sean has like kind of an internal like this is the this is where the flip 
the switch flips and he's also kind of having almost like an internal explosion at that moment. And this is also a behavior that he's learned from Chet. So I'll play the messages real quick and then we can obviously talk about that. Hello, I'm Eric Matthews. No, um, my name's Hillary. I'm from California and I've been talking with Megan and I had some things to contribute, uh, particularly about Sean, but I have a couple other things. I first need to defend the honor of the fictional Jason Marsden because I know that he's always getting Eric into trouble, but I mean, come on, like, I still think he's funny. And for some reason, I think it's hilarious when he flirts with Mrs. Matthews, even though I know everyone else thinks it's creepy. But I definitely wish that Jason was on in every season. And I think it would have been really fun if they both were living together um, as opposed to seeing Eric live with Jack. Okay, part two. I really love this episode for Sean because we really start to see just how deep his abandonment issues are, especially, you know, literally naming the pig little Cory because he misses Cory because he's spending all this time with Topanga. And then just that tension with Corey, is he going to choose Topanga? Is he going to choose Sean? Like, I think that's very much just kind of goes back to issues with his mother and father. Like, and I think that's just, you know, it's just a key thing to really start understanding Sean and kind of really explains how he did all these things, like, quote unquote, wrong, like with the mailbox. Obviously, it's a felony and it's this thing that you really shouldn't do but I think that it's kind of this symbol of like him exploding internally it's external with obviously the cherry bomb so I definitely just really like this episode just in general for Sean and just making sure that we're aware of his issues and I thought of one more thing about um Sean and the mailbox episode where he tells Corey that there were people around and so he didn't want to hurt anybody so that's why he mailed it And so, you know, that just also is obviously reinforcing the fact that he's not, you know, a bad kid. He's just acting out, although he is doing things that are pretty extreme. Although, frankly, like, so does Chet. So I feel like that is kind of his role model. Like, you just do these really extreme things and apparently it's okay. If you really want to break down, like, especially, like, the different personalities like you have Corey's agreeing with both Sean and Topanga he never really wants to take sides with any of his friends either of his friends Topanga kind of being a little bit bossy Sean just really just I can't describe it other than Sean just being Sean and I think that you you just go on to see like these personalities like especially in the episode um which is another great Sean episode the Eskimo where the three are really kind of into their personalities by now. Topanga's interfering and she starts interfering really with this pig, I feel like. Corey wants all of his friends to succeed, doesn't really want to take sides necessarily, but just wants everything to be okay. And then Sean is finally realizing that he's in his own way. But that's for another episode. But I feel like that really starts with this episode. I think really the key line here goes to Mr. Turner with Sean needs the pig more than the pig needs Sean. I really, I, we've kind of talked about how Sean mirrors his, his, the behavior that has been shown to him over the course of the show and just in his childhood. So 
we have that kind of call back to Chet and how he's impulsive and um, kind of reckless and is kind of out for number one for the most part. And we see that in Sean. And I, it, it was something that I think of when I think of Sean, I'm kind of like, yeah, he's kind of reckless and impulsive and just kind of goes with the flow and is very carried away by his emotions. And this is obviously, I think, not, not the first necessarily episode that we see that, but this is the first moment where it brings in something that is is not just him and his personality and his identity crisis. It's actually bringing in another object to that. So I think this is a real turning point for Sean as a character because it's showing just how deep these this uh, river runs in him. You know? Yeah, well said. Thank you. Well. <laughs> Do you have anything to add? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Between the two of you guys, not really. I don't know that I can yeah. contribute more than than what was besides I concur, you know. <laughs> I also liked the point that she made about the episode with the Eskimo, how everyone's kind of set. This is, again, how we see the starting of the personalities and everyone's getting set into their personality where Topanga is really trying to help. Um, and a lot of times it's it's by her just really intervening directly and almost being bossy at times. Corey's kind of caught in the middle where he doesn't really know what he wants to do and so he's kind of he's swung one way that's sean or the other way which is topanga and there's no it's hard to find Corey's personality in all of this but then you obviously have sean who is very brash emotional mm -hmm. um doesn't really think things through all the time so uh this is the kind of the first episode where that really starts to settle in as well and then we'll continue to see that throughout the entire series so yeah Good points made. Thank you, Hillary. For, uh, <laughs> Thanks for sending me. I'm sure we'll get more. Yeah, we'll probably hear more from her as the series goes on. Leave us voicemails because that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a fun thing to have. Let us know. Megan, who was your mm -hmm. MVP? It was Feeny. Mm, yeah. It was Feeny because, again, I feel like this is season one, episode 18 all over again. Where we're Everyone's like, this person is the wrong thing. This person did. Feeney is the only person who I'm like, you did a good thing. Like you, you tried to, you took Eric under your wing. You didn't bullshit him. You didn't be like, yes, you can get into Yale if you do these things. Like he's not bullshitting him. He's being straightforward. He's teaching him while culturing him and also bringing in elements that will be on Eric's level that he'll understand and he'll relate to, which is very much needed when it comes to both the Matthews, but I'd say more specifically Eric. So that's why he gets my MVP. I am also going to give it to Feeney because I'm a bitch for Feeney. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. You know, I, and I almost didn't Feeney. pick Feeney because I knew you were going to you do that. You know, I'm a Feeney stan and everyone else kind of sucked. So <laughs> it's true. You know, he definitely deserves it. He does. That's true. That's very true. The yeah. one that does something good and right, you know? Correct. He was our sweeping MVP. All right. We need to, every single episode this season so far, so this is episode six, every single episode we've had the same MVP. So we got to start getting creative. We got to start digging deep. Oh, okay. Do we, we keep coming up too similar together? Yes. They're the same. They are the same, straight down the line, one oh, through six. They're maybe the, the same. series is getting a little more consistent, maybe. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I have a feeling this will happen a lot more in the future, but 
I'm gonna try to pick someone obscure next time, like Ubaldo. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Ubaldo. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Tuning in this week. Uh, more coming mm-hmm. to you from our live studio home audience of no one. Um, Stitch is here. <laughs> oh, you're right. We got Stitch. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And I, I just checked. I don't know why I was interested in checking, but I, I wanted to look. Um, our episode from last week, it is double our average. It is. Uh, which and I'm... Is, but I'm just like confused. <laughs> Part of me is thinking maybe people started at the Trina episode and are just continuing with us from there because now that we're in season three, it's obviously the uh, the best season so far. Right, right. And just it just it. is going to keep getting better. Yeah. So I don't really have an answer for you, but I'm glad that it's happened that it, way. It works for it me. If a bunch way. of like new listeners are going to jump in now, I honestly almost rather it. You know, like we're, now we know what we're that's true. About. <laughs> if they don't start from the beginning, correct. Farther. <laughs> yeah, the first uh, the first four episodes are um, right. They're, they're, they're rocky. They're, they're weird. They're we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we have like a random third person for most of it. Right. Oh. Yeah, we were making choices, and we found our footing eventually. Correct. Much like the show, it gets better. (laughs) Yay! All right. Have another good week of quarantine. Same time next week. Yeah. Like us on the things. Subscribe to the things. Tell your friends. We are, I haven't said it in a while. So we're at Feeny Call on Twitter and Facebook, and then at the Feeny Call podcast on Instagram. If you want to reach out to us on Anchor and send us a voicemail, I will go ahead and put that link up on Twitter. And it's already in our Instagram bio. I'll put it up on Facebook as well. So if you want to leave us a voicemail, that would be great. Um, If you want to maybe be put into or featured in one of our episodes. And then also today is Daniel Fischel's birthday. Happy birthday. This is also um, the day that the final episode of Boy Meets World aired. Wrapping up the series on Danielle Fischel's birthday. Uh, Very sentimental day. And we just passed our one-year anniversary of the podcast on the 30th. So we're here. It's been a year. We made it through almost three seasons now. And uh, What have you learned in a year? Got to interview. (laughs) I've learned. I don't know if I've really learned anything. I mean, I've learned that I love hearing myself talk, which is not news to me. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I've learned that even it's more of like a not necessarily learning process, but like just an encouraging thing that we kind of we goofed around with this at the beginning. And we were like, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll get like 30 people to listen every week, whatever. And now we're like we interviewed Trina McGee, one of the stars of the show two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. And that's huge. If I told my 17 year old self that that was going to happen, I would be blown away. So it's, I love the opportunities that this is open for us that we get to meet. We um, have met friends through this, made more friends through this, and then obviously got to talk to actual cast members and hopefully that'll continue. So. Yeah. It's been a good time. It's been a, it's been a fun, fun hobby that uh, we've managed to, even crazily enough, make money from in a wild turn of events. Yeah. So that's a good time. <laughs> it's <laughs> Thanks been great. For listening. Thanks for sticking with us and uh, keep it up. We'll talk to you again next week. Class dismissed.